Our reading this morning is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 to 11. Therefore, if you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if common sharing in the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being in one spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in hum humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who, being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant. Being made in human likeness, and being found in an appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on the cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. Amen. Through our sermon series, we've been looking at uh, different journeys, how different people made journeys and uh, either physically or emotionally or spiritually and encountered God. And... Um, I just want to give another plug to this little uh, leaflet by Norman Warren, Journey into Life. We've got loads of them over there. If you think, why on earth would um, Beth and Peter relocate to Leicester and then think they might be going to India? What, what sort of people do that? Well, it's people like that who have come to know God. And actually, all of us can be on this journey. But if you haven't yet met Jesus and think, well, this seems so strange. Um, I mean, you may think I'm strange. I, I'm worse without Jesus, I assure you. So journey into life. I encourage you to take one of these or maybe give it to someone else so they can discover what that would be like. Um, but today, rather than thinking about other people's journeys, we're thinking about the journey of Jesus himself, his amazing journey and its purpose. And we're going to do that through looking at a really early Christian hymn uh, or song. Uh, and we've just had it read to us a moment ago. But first of all, I wonder what's your favorite hymn or song? One of the advantages for those of us who are in the worship team, we sort of get to choose. And sometimes you can see people, oh, not that one. But uh, you were very good today, you, did, you know. But what is actually a song, and it might be the words, but maybe it's the tune, or sometimes they go together so perfectly, you think, this always lifts my spirit. Um, so why don't you just turn to a neighbor and have a chat about 
what are the songs or hymns you most, it lifts you, you, you just love that song. Let, let's have a chat, just for a minute perhaps. Okie dokie, we'll, we'll leave it there for the moment, but in case you're thinking I'm, uh, you know, that's just a chatting point, it's not. Uh, it's really, really important because most of us as Christians get our theology from what we sing, not from what we hear. For those of us who are preachers, this is deeply depressing, but I'm just realistic, it's true. It's the things that we meditate on, that we turn over in our heads midweek. I don't often think of you as, you know, midweek thinking, oh yeah, I've just got to run through what Jean said on Sunday. That'll set me free. I mean, it's probably a song that will come to your mind, not my sermon. So Paul is aware of this, and so what he does in this letter, Philippians 2, he quotes a hymn that they already know. He's not sort of making it up on the spur of the moment. It's probably the earliest Christian hymn, and it's already well known and sung in Philippi by that little small church, but they love Jesus, and they sing this song about him. So he says, in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So he thinks, I want you to be more like Jesus. We, we think about Jesus, we worship him, not just for information, but for formation. Not just to know stuff, but to become something. And he says, I'd really like you to be changed, to become more like Jesus. Two days ago, I got an email and uh, it asked me to write a reference for someone in this church. I, I, it's part of my job. I write references. For what it's worth, they hadn't asked me, but I still did it. Unholy. Um, but uh, for reference, if you want a good reference, let me know. It, it sort of helps. Uh, if you, it, you know. Anyway, I, I did... Uh, I write quite a lot of references, and if you've done that, you, you're thinking about someone's uh, CV. Um, a curriculum vitae, which literally is the Latin for course of life. What's the course of this person's life? Could be physically, oh, well, I went to this school, university, I did this job, I've got this experience. Could it be emotionally, socially? Uh, whatever category and you're trying not to lie but to make it sound good or gooder than it usually feels to be living that particular life so we try and show off our achievements we want it to look good because we probably want to have a reputation for reliability or some kind of achievement now we all probably know how to plot a graph you've got the long y-axis um, the amplitude, how, how good, and then the x-axis of time going by. And we could all do this, couldn't we? We could draw a graph of our lives. I've done that. I encourage you to perhaps think about it. Because most of us think of our lives in terms of a narrative, the story. What is the course, the curriculum vitae, the course of your life? There's been ups and downs. Sometimes it drops below zero. 
and really tough times. And then so you, you'll all be in different places in your journey right now. There's some things, uh, most of the time it's, uh, oh, okay. I, I think it's quite good, actually, when we have testimonies. That's fantastic when we've got an answer to prayer and God's really showed up and blessed. But it's also a truthful testimony if someone says, well, I'm really trusting Jesus, but it's pants at the moment. It's really rubbish. I know he's good, but it's not working for me right now. That's also a truthful testimony because it's a testimony of I'm still trusting despite that. And you'll find that in the Psalms. The Psalm, oh, yes, I prayed and you did this. And that's sometimes our testimony. And other times, well, I did trust, but it's not working at the moment. Where are you, God? They're, they're both. So where are you at the moment? Do you have a sense of which season you're in? So for Beth and Peter, they're just like, hey, we're going. There's probably anxiety, but also joy and excitement, but lots of unknowns. Where are we all in that sort of graph, our CV, our graph of life? Now, we would prefer life to be like this. We would prefer to have up and to the right, that sort of trajectory. Things are improving. Um, I don't know any of you who've maybe ever dabbled in stocks and shares. You, you know, it always says it can go down as well as up. Past performance is not proof of future destiny on that. Uh, we'd love it if our life testimony was like that. But actually, that's not right. And what is Jesus' CV like? It's not like that. It's more like that. And that's what the song is about in Philippians 2, particularly the first three verses uh, of that song. So the first half of the song is a song of it going, well, it's tough. It's going, it's about less, not more. It's about being diminished, not about glory, but about humiliation. So it's talking about Jesus, who was very, in very nature God. He is true God from true God, as the Christmas carol says, very God of very God. That's who Jesus is, eternally self-existent with the Father. I say that like I understand it. It's just part of our doctrine, but that's who Jesus is. But he didn't consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage, or sometimes translated something to be grasped. He chose not to hold on to that. Rather, he made himself nothing. Rather than God, he became a human. And taking the very nature of, oh, not just a human, a servant, someone in a lonely, menial position, being made in human likeness. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. Now, notice this is not saying we're all meant to be doormats or that we're powerless. Where people, perhaps in the Middle East or anywhere we can think of, are being abused, that's just abuse. That's not a virtue in any sense. But where people have power but choose not to exercise it, that's a Jesus kind of way of being and living. He humbled himself. It's much more fun humbling other people, but that's not a virtue either. He humbled himself, it's DIY, by becoming obedient to death. That's crazy. 
God, tis mystery or the immortal dies. How can that possibly happen? And not just death. He didn't die of old age. You probably know what happened. Even death on the cross. So this is the very lowest point of Jesus' graph, his CV. And put starkly, Paul is inviting them to listen to this song that they already know and say, Do you know what Jesus was like? There's two opposite attitudes. There's grasping or there's letting go of emptying. The Greek word is kenosis, of letting go. In becoming just like us, Jesus emptied himself of his attributes of God, his omnis, omnipotent, omnipresent, omniscient, knowing all things. He laid those aside. He laid aside his majesty. At our 9.30 service this morning, we sang that great Wesleyan hymn, And Can It Be? It's beautiful, brilliant words. Uh, but one of the lines in it, emptied himself of all but love. So that was Jesus' trajectory. That was his choice. And it reminds me that in John 13, when Jesus, uh, it says, Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power. Great moment for Jesus. He understands who he is. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist and washed their feet. He wasn't being a doormat. He, because, precisely because he knew who he was and his calling, he had power to be a servant. It wasn't taken from him. He volunteered for that role. So service from a place of security, and because of it, he could do the most humbling, menial tasks because he knew who he was. All power, and he had power to be a servant. And then we've got verse 9, which is the second half of this hymn. Therefore, because of that choice, that he was empowered and given grace to do. Then we've got the other side of the V in his CV. Therefore God exalted him. And he goes to the highest place. He has the highest name. It's in every realm. And it ends with God's glory is restored. Because he chose humility, the glory of God is made manifest. Um, Sue and I last thing at night listened to uh, the Bible I don't know if you're into this but I, I think it's quite a good thing to uh, fall asleep listening to not sort of falling asleep to God but soaking your mind and heart in scripture and coincidentally last night we were listening to uh, John 20 and actually that's the pinnacle of John's gospel um, where you'll remember Jesus is raised but um, Thomas forgot to go to church one Sunday and he sort of missed out and I'll, I'll never believe it's alright for you guys, you have experience but I don't and Jesus proves he was just as present even when uh, you know, he's absent, he's still present and he is and then he comes specially for Thomas and Thomas, he doesn't actually touch the wounds, he, he just, it's enough that he's in the presence of Jesus 
And chapter 20, verse 20, Thomas says, this is the high point, my Lord and my God. Now, I think it's really significant that John's gospel was written during the reign of one of the most wicked and evil Caesars, whose name was Domitian. He was feared and hated. Um, but when, crucially, if you went into his throne room, you had to begin by calling him, bowing, my Lord and my God. Do you think that might be significant for John? I think it probably is. It's quite a big political statement of who is Lord, who is God. It's not Domitian, it's not Rome, it's not Caesar, it's not the ruling political military power. It's Jesus is Lord. Domitian was really feared and hated. Uh, killed lots of people, but he himself was finally assassinated. And they enacted something that was very rare uh, called um, the Damnatio Memori. He was so hated that they went through every statue, and he'd had loads put up, and removed his name from the statue. And they went through every public record and scratched out his name because he was so hated they wanted his name forgotten. And yet he wanted to be called my Lord and my God. Worldwide, Jesus is known, worshipped and loved by billions of people. And today you'll only find the name of Domitian in rather obscure history books that I sometimes look into. And I find it just wonderful that we have the earliest followers of Jesus, Peter and John and Mary. Millions of people, Christians, choose to name their children after them. And yet, Nero and Caesar are the names for our dogs. I mean, who would have thought that would happen 2,000 years ago? How the world has changed. My Lord and my God. It's Jesus, not what you'd think, the Roman Empire. And so life is a seesaw for all of us. There's sometimes it's up, sometimes it's down. And we prefer the ups, and that's okay. But it does make me want to ask myself, for what am I ambitious? For Jesus, the only criteria was to do his Father's will. If his Father was happy... That was fine. And I love the fact when Jesus is in a minority of one, it doesn't change how he behaves. When people attack him, he just says, it's interesting you think that. He never defends himself. I love that about Jesus because if someone makes a, an accusation that's false about me, I say, no, 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 no. <laughs> I'm so insecure, I need to sort of defend myself. And Jesus isn't like that. Because all authority and power was given to him, he could then be a servant. And Paul's challenge to the Philippians is, I wonder if you could be more like Jesus. Because he does several times in the letter talk about selfish ambition. Ambition's not always a bad thing. If we're ambitious for the gospel, for the kingdom, for other people, or for ourselves to thrive, that could be God's blessing. 
but there can be selfish ambition where we're wanting to promote ourselves by treading on other people and that is never Jesus way so Paul's challenge to the Philippians is through one of their own worship songs could you have the same mind in you that was in Christ Jesus and you look at Jesus journey his journey his CV not grasping but humbling emptying himself to honor the father and to bless others it's a costly journey but actually ends in glory and that's the journey we're called to be on ourselves so let's just be still and think where are we in our CV our course of life at the moment maybe it's an up praise God maybe it's a down God help us